0: Greetings again, Universions, and welcome to the sixth installment of Before Lunch Ends. Uh, We took a bit of a hiatus, I guess, or a a long extended break these last, uh, must have been a little over a month. Mm -hmm. And I know we committed to having an episode once a month, and um, we are still committed to that, but, you know, sometimes things get in the way, and and we will do our best to try to give you content on a more... Uh, predictable frequency, once a month. So, here is May's installment. You can expect another one in June, and we will be as we will be as diligent as we can about
1: <clears throat> about being consistent about delivering these episodes. Yeah, I, did, s- I checked our fan mail, and there were some pretty there, frustrated. You're right. Frustrated, you frustrated, know, and I yeah. apologized, and so
2: you guys all all, all you know. To- all, all That'd two all of right. you make yeah. a very loud voice. Yeah, when and, I, and we
0: definitely understand that that you know, we um we we have opinions that you guys care about. So, um and <laughs> so we appreciate you guys listening. Anyway, so a lot has happened in the last uh, several weeks. Probably, well, definitely, most notably in the last several weeks, and possibly one of the biggest stories since the uh, discreditation or the the. the discovery of gravitational waves is, oh, was so. the um, this picture of the black hole so we definitely wanted to give that the, the um, <clears throat> time that it deserves for discussion and go over some you know principles of black holes and just generally talk about what this means and and actually at the end of this episode we'll probably start to get into a discussion about something called the holographic principle which is related to this this uh, picture of the Of the black hole and in a future episode the next episode we'll probably dive into the holographic principle in more detail Um, but so anyways for today's show we definitely want to talk about this black hole picture so you know maybe off the bat we can just set the stage set a, a you know level set on what a what a black hole is and sort of the principles we need to understand in order to get the most out of this discussion so You know, Coop, why don't you just give us the rundown on what a black hole is and how it forms, you know?
2: Sure, yeah. So, I guess, very basically, a black hole is just a, well, we start with the singularity. A black hole is pretty much a point, well, sorry, a singularity, which is that the center of a black hole is a point of infinite density, which means that all of the mass that comes into this black hole all forms in a infinitesimally small point, incalculably small point, which causes space-time to warp in back on itself. And what happens inside of a black hole is, since anything that exerts gravity curves space-time, just like you'd see a ball sitting in a fabric, a black hole, the gravity inside it is so intense because the mass in such a small area is so massive that space-time is curved essentially down into a well. So even light, which is the fastest moving thing in the universe, cannot escape a black hole. And that's why the black hole has what's called an event horizon, which essentially just is the boundary beyond which light even cannot escape, right? So what that means is the event horizon of a black hole isn't actually a physical location. Like, you can't touch the event horizon of a black hole. You wouldn't even necessarily notice uh, you were falling into a black hole or falling through the event horizon until uh, you start seeing some crazy shit, which you will. Yeah. And we can go into that in a sec, because it's pretty awesome. Yeah. But yeah, a black hole is essentially is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It is just a hole in the universe that nothing can escape once it goes inside.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're talking about um, some, so there, you know, it's a lot of mass, in in the most layman term, right? Yeah. A lot of mass in one per, in one very small location, um, and and so historically we've not been able to see these things, right? Because as you said, light can't escape. They don't uh, they don't radiate. Well, let's just say for the sake of this argument, they don't radiate anything that lets us like see them visually, right? right?
1: Yeah. Hence the black.
0: Hence the black, exactly. Although Frank has captured a black hole. <laughs> just, it it just, just so happens that right after this initial discovery, Frank found another picture of a black hole. On his iPhone. On, yeah. iPhone. on my picked, security my camera. IPhone. at home. So, uh, Yeah, which we will have to post on our yeah. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah, take that astronomical yeah. society. Exactly. On a- wait for publish Nobel it, prize
2: an then, yeah, yeah. absolutely
1: it's pretty cool yeah, yeah.
2: and you know there, i mean there's a lot of reasons why why it's hard to find black holes sure. one because they tend to tend to be at the center of you know very high density systems right because yeah. black holes are almost always the most massive thing in their vicinity everything yeah. gravitates towards them right, right. Yeah. which means right. what you'll often find is that these black holes are shrouded by tons of stars and gas. gas and just other matter that's yeah. falling into the black hole. And so it completely obstructs the black hole. And up until this point, the only way that we were able to see a black hole is just by watching things orbit it. And so what you can actually see is, you know, astronomers have posted these kind of time lapse videos over, you know, years. years, hundreds, thousands of years, I mean, hundreds to decades sure. of what we've actually sure, recorded. Sure, sure. Yeah. And you'll watch as giant stars, much larger than uh, than our stu- our sun, mm-hmm. you know, orbiting this nothing in space, right? Just in, in, there's no point. Doesn't look any different from the vacuum. But as they get close to it, they their in speed increases by like 15 times, and they just whip around it, like literally like a whiplash, mm-hmm. you know, around this one point, looking like the star hit a brick wall and then bounced off of it, right? Wow. So yeah. It was astonishing to see these things, but we can only ever see the black holes by the effects that they exerted. And so, yeah, now for the first time ever, we've been able to actually
1: visualize a black hole. And that's actually, go ahead. Yeah, and a strange thing is like, so the black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy is actually harder to see Mm -hmm. than the one that was imaged at M87, which is, M87 is just absolutely huge. Um, it's further away, so and there's I guess less um, stardust or um, interstellar gas in the mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. Um, compared to the center of the Milky Way. Um, they're still they actually imaged them at about the same time back yeah. in April of 2017, well, and, and M87 came out first. And okay. from what I understand, the Sagittarius <clears throat> A Milky Way um, black hole will be was, is coming. Well, so and, and this is this is an
0: interesting. Uh, this is a, g- a good point of discussion right because when we talk about seeing these things it's not a it's not a regular optical camera yeah. right you know or even an array of optical cameras is nothing right. yes you know, so this is actually a, a radio telescope
1: right mm-hmm. and it took its when it when they imaged when they started imaging back in April 2017 there were seven mm-hmm. I think radio telescopes during the time I think they added an eighth and, and now is, currently the event horizon telescope there's actually nine yeah. Uh, radio telescopes.
0: So this is today. an array of individual telescopes across the earth in Europe and right. South America mm-hmm. and United States. Yeah, s- uh, South Pole too. I think. Yeah, everywhere um, that are working in conjunction to um, image in quotes the this black hole over a period of time. So we're right. talking about a massive logistical effort you know, uh, or just coordination required and to.
2: right.
1: And, and in each radio telescope there are different teams operating yeah. You know, they are coordinating based on atomic uh, atomic clock, but they are doing their own independent data gathering. Yeah. So I think when they brought all the data together, they were like, oh, everybody's data looks the same. So mm-hmm. it was super cool. Yeah. Right. And it was, okay, uh, okay. Yeah.
2: And, and a few other things about that. So one, I think there was also a much uh, more basic reason why we didn't look at Sagittarius A, which is the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. Yeah. Um, One, yeah, because M87 is bigger, but it's also a lot farther away, so it would make sense that you try and look at the thing that's closest. But I'm pretty sure that actually, because think about where we are in the Milky Way, right? Like We are on one of the spiral arms on the Milky Way, right? And we are in line with the uh, the center line of the Milky Way, I guess you could say. I'm trying to explain this and not to use hand gestures for the podcast. In plane? Would in right, like in, plane, in the same plane? So like, mm-hmm. Right, so if I'm looking at the Milky Way, it's going to be perpendicular to me, right? If I'm standing up, the Milky Way is going to be horizontal, right? And the galaxy, a spiral galaxy, just looks like a disc with a bulge in the center, right? And so right now we're sitting on one of the discs which means in order to see to the center, we are not only looking through the bulge, we have to look through the entire arm and everything in between where we are and the bulge to get Mm -hmm. there. Whereas, um, nearly positive M87 is oriented relative to us so that it's parallel to us, so we don't have to see through the arms, we only have to see through the bulge. So as Frank said, yeah, there's just a lot less material to move through. That makes sense. And the interesting thing, so the way that they imaged the black hole was through interferometry which is like yeah. one of the most the simplest you know ways that we have been imaging and tracking things it's one of you know one of the most basic experiments that you learn in physics so it's really cool to see that stuff get applied to the the cutting edge the most cutting physics. edge yeah right experiments. And so all it really is is you know you've got a bunch of different uh, telescopes uh, on on earth right and as the earth, moves around such that we are in a position to receive light from this black hole, which is, sounds kind of like an oxymoron, but the light that is emitted by things that fall into it and get shot back out because of the intense uh, gravity energy that's going into these systems, you know, it comes at the Earth, let's say, in Japan at a certain time, and then it will reach this, the telescope in Chile at a slightly different time, right? And You know, since we have a very, very good theory of light and relativity, we know exactly how long it would take the light to get from that black hole to Japan and how long it will take that to get to that black hole or from that black hole to Chile. And then you calculate the difference and you can start to determine a geometry uh, from that difference. It's also crazy to just pause and think for a sec that our understanding of physics at least up till now, is so accurate that when we are dealing with things with the distances of hundreds or thousands of light years, we can make you know really complicated calculations and get really high accuracy answers yeah. of things uh, on the scale of a few miles. Yeah. Right. Which is an indescribably small fraction of one light year, let yeah. alone a hundred or a thousand light years. Yeah. And we can discern you know just crazy tiny scales between that it's we can amazing. image a black hole yeah we can yeah, image I a mean, black that, hole
0: which is you're right that,
1: that is uh incredibly uh it's it, that's incredible yeah yeah the analogy that i saw was like being able to resolve a grain of sand on the california coast from new york city
2: yeah and mm-hmm. the, yeah the other the other one i saw was being able to see with the naked eye a hydrogen atom at arm's length so that is how that is how accurate this, these telescopes are. Yeah. And remember, these are totally separate facilities completely made independent of each other, doing work independent of each other. Well, you know, they just happen under under the, um, I think it was the direction of Sarah Bowman, I think is her name, mm-hmm. the the uh, graduate student to, you know, put the Event Horizon Telescope together, because when you hear the words Event Horizon Telescope, it sounds like one telescope, and now it's lit, it's just like yeah. a network of dispersed ones. So the fact that we can Resolve accurate data, not only from these great lengths, but yeah. also from these separated sources. It's it's It's, yeah, it's, like a, it's
1: a synthetic aperture, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's as big
2: as the Earth, the yeah. level of detail that we got of this of this black hole is actually yeah. crazy. Like, from you know, me, I've seen a lot of pictures of you know things taken from radio telescopes or whatever, and things that scientists would deem as groundbreaking in physics, and then you look at it and it's just like a diffuse gray mush Pixelated on a mush. black background <laughs> yeah. and you have no idea what you're looking at yeah. you have to be incredibly well trained in order to discern that there's actually something interesting on that picture right yeah. so when everyone said oh or, or when when the media outlets were saying there will be a black hole image coming out you know in a couple weeks i'm like let's embrace expectations, expectations exactly yeah and you know it obviously doesn't look like you know the CGI-rendered sure, interstellar yeah. black hole, yeah. but the fact that you not it only mimics, can mimics, see, it, right, yeah, you can yeah. actually see the hole within the light, and you can see the accretion disks, and an accretion disk is just things falling into a black hole and orbiting around it as they fall in. Yeah. right. You can see the light bending from, from gravitational lensing above and below, and something that we were talking about is when you look at the image, it like, almost instantly brings you back, if you've seen Interstellar, the image of Gargantua, the black hole from mm-hmm. Interstellar, which has these two distinct rings, essentially. When you look at the black hole, there's the upper half kind of goes over the top and then bends towards you. Yeah. And then the bottom half goes below and then bends away. Yeah. Right, And so that's a lot of different things are going on to make that happen. One, it's gravitational lensing. Two... Um, the amount of paths that reflected light can take when you're that close to a black hole start to warp back on it on it themselves, mm-hmm. and that causes a lot of weird <clears throat> geometry. But the just the fact that just from our understanding of physics, having never seen a black hole before ever, we've just, you know, adjacently saw things moving around it, we are just so confident in our physics and we've got it down so well up to now that we can, you know, Think of, you know, just posit in our heads an image of what we think a black hole's gonna look like, you know, render it on a computer, and then five years later take the first picture and it looks like almost
1: exactly what we thought. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. It's crazy, crazy. I'm yeah. crazy. curious if we do get an image of the Sagittarius A, if it's, I just, it'd be cool to compare the two. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Absolutely. Well, and, and, and others. I, I don't recall specifically, but depending on, like, the orientation, I guess, of... Um, the black hole or, or of our relation to it and, mm-hmm. and and it's you know how it spins or whatever um, could and would affect the image that we're able to right. uh, create right, yeah. you know you could have this one was um, looks the way that it does you know when I say this one the one of M87 yeah. or, um, yeah. <clears throat> looks like uh, sort of like you know, a donut, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could be the case that it looks a, a different picture from a different angle would look different. Like you could have uh, yeah, something closer that, to the to the Kip You I know, think the image right. we saw
1: is a composite of many hundreds of images. Right, that all look.
2: Yeah, and like we, yeah, you gotta, you know, oh, yeah. understand yeah. that there's some information that's getting lost when we take uh, images like this. Um, but the crazy thing about gravitational lensing is like. The image it almost a black hole from from my understanding would look more like a poorly made video game object than it would look like a real thing. Because mm-hmm. if you ever played a video game, like, you know, there are some objects in the world that are two D, but the 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 face, like the actual plane of that two D object, just kind of follows you around, so yeah. you can never see the flatness of it. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what you'd look see if you saw a black hole, because right. it's literally a three. It's a it's a spherical hole. Yeah, right. And those those accretion disks, like right, the way we were talking about before, how one bends towards you, one bends away from you. Yeah. No matter which way you were looking at it, that is going to look the same. Sure. Because mm-hmm. it's all lensing relative to how you're looking at it. Yeah. Which is just mind boggling to me. Like you would every other point in space that you'd looking around would have more or less some type of you know locked position in space if you were to move around it except the black hole its image is pretty much gonna move with you yeah and so at any point in time it just looks like a circle like a 2d circle but in reality it's a sphere which is yeah yeah just also bonkers yeah everything black, black holes <laughs> is absolutely bonkers yeah um, you know just the concept you know what is a black hole? Uh, How do you describe a black hole? That's probably the most interesting thing about it, because we know a black hole is where all of the most interesting physics happens, right? Black holes are like the sexiest things in physics right now, besides like quantum stuff. Uh, But that actually all gets its evidence and base from black hole physics, because the black holes are like the edge case for everything, right? All of what we know about physics break down a black hole, but So at that point, you'd think they're just wildly complicated objects that have, you know, it's so hard to describe what they look like that it's just, you know, it makes it hard for scientists to do work on them. It's actually the exact opposite. Like Mm -hmm. they're troublingly, depressingly simple objects, right? They can be described by essentially two parameters up to four. So mass, Mm -hmm. surface area, which is interesting, not volume, surface area. Yeah. angular momentum, but not all black holes spin, and electric charge, but not all black holes are charged. And so yeah. that's what's crazy is you have objects that will fall into a black hole and they just have incalculable amounts of information associated with them. Drop into the black hole and then they just get instantly, you know, just mulched mm-hmm. and replaced by a change in mm-hmm. one parameter in just surface area, right? Yeah. So It's it's really just like the garbage disposals of the universe just taking all this complicated stuff and just breaking it down into Incredibly simple almost like unidimensional properties.
0: Yeah, well, and what does that mean? So, um, you know, we 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 were having this conversation slightly before this um, we started recording but from the perspective of conserving conservation of information, right? Yeah, yeah, so um, given the fact and, and this this sort of hinting at the podcast that we want to do after this, you know, next month, but given the fact that um, there are so, that it is so simple and there are so few properties yeah. to represent, you know, the state of a black hole, essentially, um, and and the fact that these um, energy sources or these entities, what you know, whatever it may be, yeah. highly complex, uh uh, lots of information, mm-hmm. you know, lots of mass mm-hmm. being sucked into the black hole. Yet the mass changes and the surface area changes. Mm-hmm. How? I mean, you know, we and maybe this is the topic for for next week or next uh, podcast. But yeah. how are we able to conserve How is the universe able to conserve information if in, in such uh, with with so few dimensions to to represent you know the change? I guess. Yeah. You so. Know?
2: I guess give like the teaser answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, because this is going to probably feed into next podcast. And we have a lot more to talk about on just like black holes in themselves. And two, because we got a lot more reading to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the answer is actually that okay. So there is this concept of conservation of information, and it is accepted uh, among the scientific community to be like the most basic law of physics. Information must be conserved. Uh, what does that mean? So if I take a drop, like a red dye, you know, red food coloring and drop it into a sink filled with clear water, it's gonna start as a little red drop and eventually it's gonna diffuse and diffuse and eventually I'll just have, you know, just a muted kind of red, you know, muddy water throughout the whole sink, right? Mm-hmm. So you'd be like, damn, okay, the initial drop is completely lost, there's no way that I can, you know, reconstruct it, that's actually not true. If you reverse the time and you essentially just take every particle and every place that it moved and just reverse the velocity of it, you can reconstruct the particle exactly, right? Which means the information just exists, you just need to be really smart and have really good technology in order to get that information back, right? That is true everywhere in the universe except for our purposes in a black hole, right? Because once information falls into a black hole, for us, outside of the black hole, that information is absolutely lost forever, right? So that's super troubling. And there was this huge debate between Einstein and this guy, or not Einstein, sorry, uh, Stephen Hawking and this guy, Leonard Susskind, over yeah. whether that actually that's actually the case. Hawking believed, yes, it is lost forever. Susskind believed, no. Um, and so what the current theory states, because Susskind has actually prevailed in this debate, and we'll get into the reasons behind this later, um, What actually is determined and is accepted now is that the information that falls into a black hole is actually in some way encoded on a 2D surface Mm. within the black hole. Because since, let's say, I fall into a black hole, all of the information, my entropy, everything interesting about me, has been changed into just a change in surface area, right? Because my mass will go in and if I am 100 kilograms, then when I'm in the black hole, the black hole will increase by 100 kilograms, right? But then all of the other interesting information about me has just been converted into an increase in surface area. Surface area is a two-dimensional measure, right? right? So that necessitates, if information is to be conserved, that there is some conversion of all of my 3D information into a 2D measurement. And yep. that is where the idea of a holographic principle is born, which states that all of the information encoded in the universe, in our four-dimensional universe, can be described on a 2D surface. And I think we can leave that at that. Because yeah. something interesting right. I really want to talk about um, in this episode is kind of like the, what would the experience be of going into a black hole. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Because that is something that everyone Thinks of the first thing they learn about black holes like what would it be like? to fall into a black hole and it's actually like Way crazier than any science fiction Interpretation has ever come across except maybe the wormhole interpretation
0: Let's let's tee that up just a little bit more because let's talk so so let's get to that after So a lot of people been asking like how big is this black hole like what give us some scale like magnitude? Mm -hmm. why like you know uh, in terms of you know solar masses i think our our audience probably yeah. understands the concept of solar we masses 60
1: million solar masses yeah. the uh, m87 so, uh this was as big as big as our solar system was kind of the rough sketch so, so solar mass being the mass of our right sun. one
2: one yeah the mass of one sun so so to give you an example so <clears throat> maybe the out. black hole that we imaged so the m87 one that that you've all seen That is 2.4 billion solar masses. That means that that tiny little dot, so remember, a black hole is not the hole, it's not the event horizon, it is just the singularity, right? The event horizon is just a consequence Consequence. of curvature, right? It's not a physical point, a location, you couldn't really point to it and and, and find any physical difference between the other point in space. So all of the mass of the black hole is contained in just that singularity, so in that tiny, indescribably small space, there's 2.4 billion suns <laughs> worth of mass. I, I mean, that's... that's just it's, cr- Right. It's not even worth attempting to think, like, to try and construct a picture of that in your head, because once you get... I would, I would say once you get to the millions, it gets hard. Once you get to the thousands, it gets hard, right? Yeah. What does a thousand suns sound? What yeah. does that mean to you, and right? So what is that with 9 more zeros. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's unfathom.
0: it's it's legitimately like unfathomable. I don't we have no there's no there's certainly no concept yeah. that we're familiar with in everyday life that allows us to make a relation between how massive yeah. that how dense that uh, this the black and, hole this black
2: hole or any black hole yeah is. And I and I'll just just to give because as far as describing uh, like size, that's almost impossible to do like orally unless you have, you're have you much more comfortable with like, a, like your Richard Feynman type character and you're great at <laughs> that type of stuff. Uh, visual, there have been some really helpful uh, videos, which I could put maybe in like the description of this uh, podcast that give a, a fairly good representation of size. But yeah. one thing just to get an idea of, of like just the scale of energy yeah. associated with these black holes. So the first gravitational waves that were detected came from two supermassive black holes falling into each other, right? So the way that works is they orbit around each other, just like any other things that would fall into each other, right? They orbit around each other, get closer and closer, and eventually they merge, right? So in the last, I think it's like one tenth of a second, uh, the speed at which they were traveling towards each other went from 0.1 times the speed of light to, times the speed of light or 0.92 or something like that times the speed of light in one-tenth of a second, right? So that in itself is nearly mind-boggling to think of. But the energy that that collision, once they finally impacted each other, the energy given off in that collision was 50 times more powerful than the power of all stars in the universe shining at the same time. So if you could put a Dyson sphere around every single star in the universe, you clump them together, and then put like solar panels around them, the amount of energy that you would get from, let's say, a couple seconds of every star in the universe shining into your solar panels, the collision of that black hole was 50 times greater than that. (laughs) It was more. (laughs) Every star in the universe, right? So so the energies associated with these black holes are just mind-numbingly gargantuan in comparison to any other entity in the universe. And like I think that's really as far as you can yeah. go with it. Yeah. And so the, the power of the gravity of these black holes is causes a lot of really interesting things yeah. to happen. So when you f- so when light falls into a black hole, as I said before, once it passes the event horizon, space is curved So much so that the light does not have enough energy to escape that well, right? So it's falling into the black hole, and as it gets into the event horizon, it's stuck in the event horizon. Some light particles will, you know, depending on their trajectory into the black hole, just keep spinning down the toilet bowl until they get to the singularity. Some light actually just sticks on the event horizon, it enters the black hole in such a way that it gets caught in just this loop forever around the event horizon and for all of eternity will never leave that event horizon until the black hole evaporates
1: photons orbiting a mass
2: and so what that means is that if you were to enter a black hole you'd fall in you'd fall in once you got to the event horizon you would now instantly be exposed to all of the light that has been stuck on that event horizon for all of eternity since the black hole came into being so mm. that means that there are hun- you know billions of years of light and events and objects that fell into you will be exposed to those see immediately. so you would fall in right and simultaneously simultaneously you would see let's say you know a chunk of a planet that that came into being four billion years ago right you'd see all of this come at you and the crazy thing about being in a black hole is since time is so dilated which means when you're close to highly gravitational objects, your time moves slower compared to people who are not. So you orbit a black hole, if you see an interstellar, they, they communicate this perfectly. Your time moves a lot slower. So this is magnified exponentially when you're actually entering the black hole, right? Yeah. So what that means is that if a planet, let's say a full planet, just you know for the purposes of it, let's say a planet um, fully intact fell into a black hole, right? To us, outside the black hole, that would have happened, let's say, two billion years ago, right? And so that planet will have traveled two billion years worth of space into this black hole, right, properly hit the singularity and evaporated. Not the case. Hmm. So once that planet entered the black hole and it's on its way to the black hole, time slowed down so much for that planet that if you were to be in the event horizon, that event, that two billion years of time passing, probably would've only happened in a couple minutes worth mm. of time in the black hole. Yeah. Which means that once you fell into that black hole, you'd see the planet from two billion years ago just sitting there. Just like very close to the event horizon, way closer than you would've imagined. Like All of that shit that falls into the black hole, once you get in there, it's like it just fell in. Like It's very hard to communicate this, and I'm not the greatest communicator at it, no. but it's like you are just skipping ahead however many billion years ago into the future where you know all that shit is just happening or i guess rather into the past where all that shit is just happening so you can really imagine that time freezes around the black hole and that's exactly what happens from the outside like if i send someone if i send eric into the black hole and i'm in a a rocket ship outside the black hole Mm -hmm. what i'm gonna watch is him approach the black hole slow and get slower and slower as he approaches it, and he'll get redder and redder and redder mm-hmm. because his light is struggling more and more to get to me, and so its waves are expanding, right? And as they expand, they get lower energy and become redder, yeah. right? So eventually, he will just freeze on the event horizon, so I'll see him frozen on the event horizon, and eventually he will just turn red until he becomes infrared, and I can't see him anymore, and he's invisible. Mm-hmm. But remember, that Eric will exist... I- some state of Eric will exist forever on the event horizon, and so if I, 12 billion years later, go into that black hole, I'll just see Eric as he was, like you know, yeah. on that day.
0: That's why I want to die, by the way. Just <laughs> frozen in a black hole. Frozen in a black hole. Yeah, preserved for all eternity. That's um, Pretty crazy. Yeah, we're we're and we're buttoning up a, a little bit against our, our time here, but yeah, um, I know I tend to steal large no, chunks no, of no. This time. We're to this talk is about this, this is this is our fascinating. Uh, this is why we have this this podcast. Oh.
2: Sorry. One other thing I really <laughs> want to mention because it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so you talk about spinning black holes. Yeah. Spinning black holes have a very interesting uh, branch of physics associated with them. Um, so when, when a black hole spins, because it's so gravitationally powerful, it actually moves space-time with it. Mm-hmm. Not things on space-time. It actually twists Space-time. So if you go back to the f- ball in a fabric picture, yeah. imagine the thing is now m- twisting the fabric, and that's called frame-dragging, and what happens is it creates this area around the black hole called an ergo-sphere, or an ergo-region, okay. which is an area where you get a lot of the same properties of being inside a black hole, so your, your time and space parameters flip, and time obviously slows down incredibly for you. And you can be stuck in the ergosphere forever and kind of have the same kind of experience that you would in Event Horizon. But in the ergosphere you can actually leave the ergosphere. Hmm. Like it's, since it's just outside the event horizon and the warping of space-time kind of cheats the event horizon. Like yeah. it turns it from a sphere into an oval a little bit. Yeah. And those ovular litter bulges yeah. are, yeah. are technically in the event horizon, but since they're since space time has been dragged, they get mushed out of the event horizon. Yeah. So you could essentially be in that region. Yeah. Experience all that super old light. You know, have kind of that you know you would be able to see the back of your head because light would be so distorted at that point that I could look forward and see my ass. Yeah. And then I could leave, yeah, which is just crazy. So if you want to go have a black hole vacation, go to a spinning black Mm -hmm. hole, chill in the ergo region for a sec, come out, and then you will win every Nobel Prize. I was just thinking
0: we're only a couple years, a few years away from uh, new theme parks associated with, uh, you know, visiting visiting the outer edge of a black hole. But um, yeah, well, okay, so. So this this is perfect. This is probably a great place to stop because uh, next podcast we will be uh, in a way continuing in this discussion as it pertains to the holographic principle, um, which if you if you're not familiar with that, definitely tune in four weeks from now to uh, to get our take on on what that is. Um, and yeah, so in the meantime, we appreciate you guys listening and thank you for your patience in this this uh, this sixth installment of Before Luncheons, and we look forward to spending more time with you in the future. Alrighty,
2: later Adios, Universions.
0: Bye.